Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real-life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best lives. I'm Jenny Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. This is our 100th episode. It's such an exciting day. Can you believe we've done 100 episodes? I can't. It feels like we blinked. It, it is amazing that we've come this far. And, and a lot that we've of learning. Told so many beautiful stories that we've had the honor to meet so many amazing people like doing really hard things. We've walked the path of a lot of different lives yeah. in, in 45 minutes a week or an hour or whatever yeah. it's been. We've heard heartache, devastation, despair, shock. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's some humor and some tears in the same breath, yeah. but always those nuggets of resilience. And for me, it's been inspiring. It's been educating. I feel like I've almost got a master's degree in real life from other people and what they've been willing to share. It's been a beautiful hundred episodes. I think so too. And a lot of these stories are people that have touched our lives individually in our yeah. real everyday lives. And I love having a format and a platform to be able to share with other people, right? people's lives who have been my inspiration. And I feel that we connect in a way that maybe you wouldn't at the grocery store or in passing when you say, Absolutely. hey, how are you? I'm fine. I, I am fine. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I'm living a great life. And have you ever heard my backstory? Have you ever talked to the other person who's so kind and compassionate to find out maybe what they've been through that's gotten them there? Let's Let's talk today. Not only about what we've learned from other people, but let's dive straight in to some real tools, some real resilience tools. Yeah, we want to cover the five pillars of resilience today. So there's a solid foundation of which to build resiliency. We talk about it all the time, Jenny. You've mentioned it a million times in in different episodes. It's like a muscle. muscle. You've got to use it. You've got to strengthen And I think it's a muscle. It's a process. You know, I think sometimes, and we've talked about this before, some people just seem naturally resilient and some people seem naturally unable to have that resilience. But I think it's something we can all arrive at. We have to maybe get there through different methods in different ways. But just going through hard times does not magically make someone resilient. Absolutely. And having a fairly calm life does not mean you're not resilient. I mean, just because you haven't had the big traumatic news story in your life doesn't mean you are not a resilient person. So let's dive in. This is a wonderful five pillars of resilience. This comes from um, insights from Vital Work Life. This particular five we're referencing are written by Jenna Alschlager. You and I both have studied a lot of articles, a lot of stories, Mm -hmm. a lot of interviews and and things about resilience. These five pillars come up over and over and over again. Michelle, let's jump right into these five. The first one being self-awareness. Huge. And I think it's really important to have a conversation about this. I was raised uh, Christian. Uh, A lot of people here belong to the Church of Latter-day Saints. And a lot of times in church or faith-based religions, the self is kind of not discounted, but not encouraged I to think, be focused on. Sure. I think we live, a lot of us who have maybe a faith-based culture, or even as Americans, we we look to the nobility of sacrifice and putting, and others, and putting mm-hmm. others before ourselves, which is beautiful. Yeah. But I think this doesn't say selfishness. No. It's self-awareness. Like, what does that mean to be aware of yourself, your feelings, your status? When people say, hey, how are you? And you say, good. Do you even really think, how am I doing? Self-awareness, so different from a self-centeredness. 
And and it covers a lot of areas, right? Like, do you know your own personalities? Do you see your blind spots, the areas where maybe your personality is a a little rough? Look, (laughs) I've been involved in politics a long time. People love me or hate me. I understand that sometimes my confidence is intimidating. I also understand that sometimes my confidence and my surety in my own beliefs when I'm talking or I'm passionately engaged in them, sometimes can come across harsh or so strong that the other person, if they're not confident in their own self, can reflect that back as in not being comfortable or not liking me, right? And that's okay. I I understand that about myself. But part of resiliency and that self-awareness is understanding those things. So Understanding your your personality, your strengths. What are your strengths? What yeah. are your weaknesses? What are your vulnerabilities? And right. I think that that is huge and plays into, um, there's kind of these two that I think interplay very well, self-awareness and self-care. Yeah. And it makes me think, I have a story, I probably shared it before, just days before my husband was killed in Afghanistan, he and I were talking on the phone. And I remember just being a mess. Mm-hmm. And all it was a short conversation. And all I did was offload how awful everything was, how overwhelmed I was. The kids, I mean, I just, it was one of those times. It was where a dump. <laughs> it was everything. Poor man, that poor man. And I, I just was so frustrated and just so overwhelmed and everything felt so out of control. In that moment, I had zero resilience, honestly, mm-hmm. zero. And he asked me a question that I will be forever grateful for because it made me think. And the question he asked me was, what are your coping mechanisms? And in that moment, I had none, nothing. I could not think of a single thing that could have helped self-care. There was no self-awareness. As I was very self-aware of what was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was very self-aware to how broken I felt. I was very self-aware of my vulnerabilities. I had that down. <laughs> what I didn't have any awareness of was what I might do to help myself. Right. And little things. So are, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Who can I call to help what take could I do? these kids off my plate or get this thing done? Or, yes. right? Like and, being able to say, I have hit my max and I can't do this do on offload? my own. So how am I going to offload this and be able to get through the next few days? And let's talk about that. Those That self-care or those coping mechanisms. I think where I was really weak previously was I was looking for this magic wand of coping mechanism mm-hmm. that would just fix everything. That mm-hmm. would just there's and and so when he asked me what are your coping mechanisms, in my mind I'm thinking, I can think of absolutely nothing that can make me feel less awful than I feel. Nothing. Now, I'm grateful he asked me that question because over the next few days I found myself really reflecting on just how hopeless I felt. I had nothing. I couldn't answer his question and so over the next couple of days, I really started to reflect self-awareness. I started mm-hmm. to dig a little deeper. I started to slow my thoughts down. And then I started to realize there's little things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the little things that are the self-care or the coping mechanism. And I came up with things like you said, talk to a friend, ask for help. I mean, that's a little bit huge. Little things like maybe I just need to go get a drink or a treat, or maybe I need to just forget everything for a minute and force myself to, to lay down and take a nap, which is hard to do when you're stressed. I found listening to music can help. Maybe pausing to read a book, writing in a journal. I then began to make a list of really small things that I found could make a big difference. And Mm -hmm. that was huge for me and continues to be big as I move forward after losing him. I will forever be grateful that he asked me, what are your coping mechanisms? But I'll never forget the hopelessness I felt when I was so self-aware of my weaknesses and my burden but had zero strength in that self-care pillar right. of resilience. So they all kind of intertwine and overlap, they which do. is why that graphic is so yeah. brilliant. Um, it's a giant Venn diagram of color. Yeah. So going back to the self-awareness, it's really important that we understand our strengths yeah. and our weaknesses. So you were really aware in that moment Hyper of, aware of, of the, weakness. the weakness. But had you really ever said, these are my strengths? No. And I think that goes back to what you mentioned in our culture where we focus on sacrifice and service to others. We pride ourselves on being humble and meek people. Nobody likes anyone that's arrogant. And I think sometimes we confuse confidence 
with arrogance. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that I ever sat down and let myself say, I am good at fill in the blank or I can do such and such. Right. I think I was really beating myself down with what I'm not good at, what I can't do what felt overwhelming and so it's like i had half the stick of resilience right but i didn't have the other half and the other half is really important right unless you understand your strengths you'll never will never be resilient just with the weaknesses and we have to be able to identify those strengths so like some of the strengths i see in you and of course a lot of these are post brent because that's when we met but you are incredibly good at asking for help in order to help you get which, your needs met. Which makes me laugh because historically speaking, I would never say that was true. Yeah, you know, and I struggle who, with that. Who asks for help? I I am not good at it still. I want to say I'm getting better and I'm working on it. <laughs> it's is a slow isn't grind that beautiful? for me. In a different perspective to say perhaps my best self-awareness and self-care is to recognize I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And again, there's that conflict. Absolutely. Because I think I need to be self-reliant and I need self-care and we get selfish right. or self-focused. See how quickly you can fall? Right. Again, it's the two ends of the stick. Where right. do you fall? You've got That's to have both sides. That's why I brought sides. up the religious aspect because, I mean, I was raised in a heavily religious home and and we were always taught to really pretty much deny ourselves, sure. right? Sure. To focus on who? Someone Christ. else. Yeah. Right. And if we are focused on Christ and we are focused on others, then that is that is the best way to be. Sure. But it denies the entire purpose of why I think we're here, which is to learn who we are. Right. And how we can be our best selves. And if we don't know who we are, there's no improving and getting to our best self. You know, I'll I'll this makes me think of another term my husband used to use and he called it enlightened self-interest. And and you laugh <laughs> I can't and you're wait in to politics. Hear this. So this on the cuff it might be something like you said, some people might see your confidence and be almost Either intimidated, either intimidated by it or offended by it or just think, oh, she's, you know, we do, we, we find confident people and we sometimes think they're arrogant. We must uh-huh. read that. Brent would talk about enlightened self-interest and, and he would look at how sometimes we confuse, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. Christianity or another faith or something where it really is in our best interest to be a good person mm-hmm. because it will benefit me as I try to benefit you. But again, it's both sides of that stick. So... People would say, for example, with Brent, he served on the city council. After he served on the city council, he ran for mayor. And there were people who would be accusatory. Oh, you only ever wanted to be on the council so you could be mayor. And he would kind of laugh and say, I ran to be on the city council to be on the city council. And then I found maybe I could also be you know, useful and helpful as a mayor. But as a city councilman, if you ever hope to become the mayor, well, you better be a pretty good city councilman. Right. So if, even if it is your self-interest that you want to be promoted or you want to be successful or you want to get somewhere in your life, that enlightened self-interest is you're really only going to get there by helping someone else. Right. So I think it can be both right. as long as it's both. Right. As long as it's both. And Eleanor Roosevelt has a great quote that for success, our success to be real it must contribute to the success of others. Absolutely. She doesn't say our success has to be only the success of others. It's both. And I love that quote. And and this goes to the entire connection as to why I wanted to put together this podcast in the first place. Yeah. We are all suffering from disconnection. Especially and the now. the only way, especially These now. couple years. And, and even more so now, I feel right. like even though so called the pandemic is over and we're out and we're not wearing masks, like we just flipped the switch things, and it's done. Yeah, we've had the suffering that we've gone through and this uh, feeling of very alone and isolated. And for some people who haven't really taken, who didn't even know to maybe, taken the opportunity of that downtime to start evaluating themselves awareness that self-awareness to start working on the areas that they feel broken or sad Mm -hmm. or have life trauma that has not been healed hurts those kind of things when you go back out now you're coming from a place of even more sad more broken right and and it's a more difficult way 
to re-engage and reconnect. And I think more damaging to you and those around you. And that takes us to this third pillar. So we've talked about self-awareness and self-care and how much they overlap. But you've got positive relationships. And again, I think think the problem is we live in this world that we – feel like we have to choose or like we're either mm-hmm. we're either giving in kind or we're selfish. Mm-hmm. And but what if we could be giving in kind and self-aware? What if we could help serve others and take care of ourselves? And I think that's where you see the self really feeds into positive relationships mm-hmm. because you can't have a healthy relationship if you're not healthy. You right. can't have a beautiful whether it's a friendship or a romantic or a family relationship if you haven't taken care of yourself, because now there's a so toxic there's a, piece. Okay. I'm going to say, because I have been dating, there's a double-edged sword to that, too. There's mm. two sides to that. So we need to first get rid of the notion that we're ever going to be healthy or healed. As in we're done and it's a process that's We're done over. and that, that it's like, okay, because... Because I'm 100% as, good to go. <laughs> As we grow, there's always sometimes past hurts or traumas that we rediscover Mm -hmm. a different layer to Mm it, a deeper level to. And as we work through that, then then we also have a deeper ability to connect. We can't do this without other people. We can't heal relationships and we can't grow in relationship without being in a relationship. And I think that's why it's so tricky because we have self-care, self-awareness, positive relationships, yeah. which, chicken or the egg. The answer right. is both. You have it to have both. both. The relationship helps yourself and yourself helps your relationship. And that's how they overlap so beautifully. Right. But I think that's why so many of us struggle because in our mind, we feel or. We feel like it's one or the other when really it's and. Right. It's and. So my relationship then ended. You know, he... It was his decision to end the relationship. Eventually, he told me that basically he felt unworthy to be with me, mm. that there were some things he needed to work his on. His self-awareness. His self-awareness. Uh, next to mine, he felt that I deserved more. Hmm. And what I said to him was, that really isn't your decision. It's mine. So sometimes as we're in this process, we should be aware that just because we may have work to do doesn't mean the people that are in relationship or love us don't have room for us, especially if they accept us for who we are right. at, at that moment. See, but I love this because it's like this interwoven web where yes. we, we need to take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and be healthy, but we can't fully get there without other people. But we've got to make sure we're doing what we need for ourselves before we bring other people. But it's all interwoven. Self-care, self-awareness, mm-hmm. positive relationships. And there's absolutely a time and place to step it all back, right? Sure. There, there's, a, you know, since my breakup with my past boyfriend, I decided not to date. And um, I'm getting to the point where I feel like I'm really okay and ready to date. Um, There are times that after a divorce, somebody may uh, feel like they are not ready. My husband really encouraged me from the moment right to where he died. Don't wait, Michelle. Don't wait. I don't want you to be alone. I want you Mm -hmm. to find someone. Don't wait. I don't think he had any idea how difficult that is. That sounds great. Just go find somebody. (laughs) And I tried four months afterwards, but as soon as I got out and went on a few dates, it became really apparent that my heart was not ready. It was just not ready to go. So there are times and And places for that. that's part of the self-awareness. Absolutely. We need to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hit on a couple other areas of uh, resiliency. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, what I love about this, Michelle, we're talking about these five pillars, which could each stand on their own, except not really because they're so interwoven. We've talked about kind of the dichotomy of self with others. We've got self-awareness, self-care, uh, these these healthy, beautiful, meaningful relationships. Let's talk about mindfulness. What is the role of mindfulness? I feel like it's almost the underlying resilience principle for all of the others. You can't be aware of something if you don't take the time to be mindful. You can't take care of yourself if you're not mindful of what you need. You certainly can't grow a beautiful relationship of any variety mm-hmm. without that mindfulness. Let's talk about that for a minute. So for me, I started practicing yoga after um, John's passing, and um, it was a great opportunity. My particular yoga studio and my yogi, she practices um mindfulness and meditation before we get involved in the actual practice of yoga. And um, mindfulness is uh, an opportunity to be still. So you, you might say you use this in a meditation in, in the morning or at night, whenever you do it, where you become fully aware of where you are, what's around you, what's happening, but not becoming a part of it. And, and that sometimes is easier said than done. Right. And so it's just an opportunity to just be fully present in your body and in your surroundings and be more of an observer rather than a participator. Sure. And it's really bringing awareness to the things that you're experiencing through each of your senses. So I used to also teach this in childbirth classes. I was going to say this, it's particularly mm-hmm. in your work as a doula. Yes. And so uh, I I used to teach a particular type of childbirth class called Birthing Your Way. And it's really about, so you could be still and you can be in the room and you notice a busy street outside. You can hear the noises of the cars passing by. You hear the neighbor's dog bark. Your cat jumps up on your bed. You um, hear the fan or the air conditioning kick on in your house, or you hear it kick off. Um, Somebody turns on a faucet, whatever. You're just noticing. You're really soaking those senses in. Yes, you're just noticing the sensation of sound. The other thing you start to notice is your skin. I have a light blanket on. I'm warm. I'm cool. I um, feel the, the air gently across my skin. You're feeling the things that are going on with your body. I feel pain in my back. Oh, another sense. Right. So you're just noticing and you're just taking inventory. It's like taking inventory. It's not about fixing any of these things. It's just noticing. And I love that because I think that's where mindfulness plays into resilience because Mm -hmm. you could be mindful and and sometimes hyper-mindful and not feel resilient at all if... You're being swayed and affected and beaten down by what your mind, mm-hmm. like you said, if you if you hear the car and you see the dog and the cat's on you and those are adding stress, I think the, the that's emphasis, not mindfulness, right? right. It, that's anxiety, right? The, it's anxiety producing. It's overwhelming. It's too much. Yes. So it's really stepping your mind down to where you just settle in and you're just taking notice of these things. You're, you're not separate from them, but you're not a part of them But you're either. also not ignoring them or pretending they're not there. Right. And I think that's the huge piece. You know, we talk about the steps or stages of grief, which we know are not linear, but there's mm-hmm. some, some value to them. And that acceptance. Mm-hmm. I can accept that it's noisy and crazy and there's a cat on me without being overly bothered by it. Let's apply mm-hmm. that to a tough situation. I can accept... Maybe that there's a divorce, that a relationship's over. I can accept a diagnosis mm-hmm. that I didn't see coming. I can accept the death of a spouse or a child. I can accept that. And that's very different from 
being hyper-focused or hyper-affected by it in a very negative, damaging way. But it's also very different from that Pollyanna where I'll just pretend nothing's wrong and everything's fine. Right. And I think that's sometimes where we go wrong. We're almost afraid to be mindful because a lot of us find it easier to either ignore and mm-hmm. shove it under the rug or be so mindful, not mindful, but aware that we're weighed down. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think what I love about these these particular five pillars of resilience is how quickly they could be misunderstood mm-hmm. and how we need to be aware of that because you could say to be mindful and listen and absorb and feel and let all of your senses in. But true resilient mindfulness, like mm-hmm. you said, has to be not be completely overwhelmed or destroyed by what you're aware of. So it's not just paying close yeah. attention. It's being at peace or acceptance with that. Yeah. So, you know, on self-awareness, some of the things that we need to be aware of are our own emotions. And when we practice mindfulness, you will experience your emotions coming up. And as they do, you want to acknowledge them, but also then maybe tune into another sense so that you're not necessarily getting overwhelmed by that emotion that's coming up for you. And we need to learn about our our motivations, the things that really drive us, what makes us happy, what brings us joy. So when you put all of those pieces together, the one thing that we haven't talked about yet is purpose. And in order to really have this pillar of resiliency that all ties into each other, We have to be self-aware. We have to understand our likes, our dislikes, the things that motivate us, the things that drain our energy. We have to learn how to be mindful so that we can figure out how to get to a state of calm and just being where we're not judging anything. We're just being in the moment. We have to practice self-care and loving ourselves, And then we need those positive relationships in our life. And we should actually talk a little bit more about that, too. Let's do it right now. Those positive relationships. We had some guests on, and this has come up multiple times, that one of the big strengths that people can have, one of the pillars that people can use, and that everybody should have, is who are those three to five key people in your life? Who do you call when you're like, I've gone into a black hole? And the importance of identifying those people before you're in the black hole. Right. Because sometimes when you're in that black hole, it, you, there's, you, you don't you know. Don't. And it was Ganelin Connie sh- that called right. them SOS friends. Yes. She said, who are your SOS, SOS friends? friends? Yeah. The ones that you can throw out the lifeline and they're going to grab it and they're going to hold on to it with you. And it's important to do, right? In some sense, we're throwing out the life preserver ourselves when we make right. that call. And hopefully they're going to reciprocate by saying, okay, and I've got it and I'm going to pull you my direction. And I think there is a certain sense of willingness or there's almost a requirement for a willingness to be vulnerable in asking for help, vulnerable in being mindful, vulnerable Mm -hmm. in caring for yourself. And I think like Brene Brown, of course, she's, she's one of the experts in vulnerability and a popular speaker many of us know and have read her books. But I think it's really important that we let ourselves feel, that we let ourselves experience, that we let ourselves understand that we might have to create purpose and meaning mm-hmm. out of what's happened. And you and I have talked about this mm-hmm. before. I was, I was just looking at a quote from Viktor Frankl, who was one of the Holocaust victims in a concentration camp for four years. And he talked about the connection between pain and purpose mm-hmm. and that our pain can become more than just pain if we can attach it to purpose. Now, that doesn't mean the purpose has to be handed to us. And you know how I feel about that. I don't think God makes all of these things happen. I hate when people say all things happen for a reason. I prefer to say we can find reason in all things that happen. Absolutely. But it takes mindfulness. If I just sit back passively and say, oh, God must have needed this to happen. Now, whether there's truth in that or not isn't the point. It completely takes it out of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just helplessly the victim of what's happening to or around me. I think what we're talking about, this awareness and, and sense of purpose and mindfulness, is the ability to process what's happened mm-hmm. to or around us, 
to be mindful about how it affects us and how we're going to get through this. And without feeling like we have to fix it, realizing we can learn. We can grow. I might be the one creating the meaning. And you might look at me and say, you're crazy. That's not what that means. But to me, that meaning and that growth can be part of my mindfulness, part of my self-care. And then it helps me develop that resilience. Right. I would say part of my resilience, and I learned it through childbirth classes, frankly. Right. And it goes along with what you were saying with Viktor Frankl's quote on uh, pain and suffering. Pain with a purpose can be an instrument of growth, right? It can, oh, that's beautiful, Michelle. Pain with a purpose, purpose can, can be, be an instrument of growth. And wow. pain with suffering is just suffering. Yeah. And it's damning and it's heavy and it's depressing and it's right. dark. And those are all the feelings we feel if we only hold that one side of the right. stick. Exactly. And so when we can acknowledge the purpose in the thing that mm. is causing us pain, yeah. I think that it's easier to get through each step of that. So for instance, when John was dying of cancer, there was a lot of different levels of pain, but I took a great sense of accomplishment and, and really I was overwhelmed with how much opportunity to love him came in serving him in, in many different ways through that pain. He wanted me to be the one to give him his IVs every day and, and to give him his meds and, and to manage. I managed the doctors and the insurance companies and all those things I took off of his plate. They added a lot of weight to me, but there is no greater thing that I could have wanted to be doing at that time. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute because I love what you just said. It can add weight to you and be meaningful enough to almost energize you it did in the sense of purpose and i find that like we joke all the time about pta i love pta Mm -hmm. i love volunteering with the pta and on the outside it might just seem like it's one more thing or one Mm -hmm. more weight but if you can find that one more thing that has purpose and meaning to you even if it might take your time your energy your i can't imagine the care required of helping Mm -hmm. your husband literally as he's dying and you're now his his psychological care his medical care the billing the insurance and yet with that sense of purpose that can give you the energy to have that resilience, to become stronger. I've really admired the way you take every situation and turn it into a learning opportunity. I mean, your son's motorbike accident, mm-hmm. this, this recent relationship you've talked about, even bad first dates, whatever it might be. <laughs> I feel like you are constantly looking at the situation, accepting it, mm-hmm. mindful of what it is. And then you're not just leaving it alone. You're consciously saying, what can I learn from mm-hmm. this? How can I grow through this, even if it's ugly and awful? And I admire that about you, and I've learned a lot of that from you. So thank you. Yeah, I I believe the only value of being alive is the opportunity to learn what it is to be human in the human experience. For me, there's no other value of being here. Otherwise, we might as well just get on to the next thing. And so it's a great opportunity. And I don't look at the hard things as a reason to cave in or give up. I just see them as the total purpose of being here. Which again, I feel like that's where the purpose intersects with mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Those two pillars. You you find the sense of purpose through being mindful. I often think about this. Um, sometimes I do some public speaking and we could go around the room in any room. We could have a classroom. We could have an auditorium. We could have a church congregation. We could have mm-hmm. a family reunion. Yep. If we went around the room and said, everyone write down everything that's ever gone wrong, everything that's ever disappointed you or devastated you or just annoyed you, we'd have a really long list. Mm-hmm. And most of us, when we made that list, the first step of mindfulness, we'd be really bogged down and we could feel heavy and we could feel dark and we could feel defeated. But I feel like that purpose comes in. What if instead we took that same awful, terrible, long, long, long list and said, look at what collectively we've overcome. Look at what the human soul can do and withstand and yeah, handle. Yeah, there's layers to that, Jenny. I, I would say, is. what if instead we said, write down five of your t- top or three, let's just go with three, three of your hardest life lessons, because every, even the kids will have them. Oh, yeah. Every, three, three, of your heart, three of your hardest, biggest the biggest, hardest things in your life, what were those big three hard things? And then what did you learn from those yes. three things? Yes. How and what did you d- grow? How did you grow? 
And knowing what you know now, are you grateful for the opportunity to have lived through that experience? Right. And the great are you thing better is, for it? we are always better for it. And isn't it great that we can go through really difficult things that feel like they may break us, and yet they don't? I know. It's they as if the, the breakdown becomes the breakthrough right. to the next level. And that's exactly what it is. And that's... For me, that's the entire purpose of life. I think all of these five pillars, they're the foundation. Let's review all five. Michelle, tell me all five in a row so I can kind of process Self-awareness, mindfulness, self-care, positive relationships, and purpose. Right. So, um, Completely independent and intertwined. Absolutely. It really takes the culmination of all of them, and that's really the foundation And so if you're struggling, if you don't feel resilient, look at how self-aware are you? Mm -hmm. Where are the areas that you deserve to spend some time working on for you? And then what would you do to actually take that time and work, work on it? Right. And do it. Have you ever practiced mindfulness? If not, there's a million apps online. There's a million, you can Google it. There's, you can pay for an app. You can get it for free. Um, Start practicing moments of mindfulness. It only takes five, 10 minutes a day um, to just just start down your mind, to just start the practice of learning how to be still in your body, present and aware. Yeah. That self-care. What areas are you not taking care of yourself? I recently had a great friend passed away and took his life. Um, he was actually a guest on our show. He devastating clearly got to the point where he no longer just wanted to be here. And, and it was devastating to me. And I had been talking to him the night that he took his life. And, you know, all we can do is show up for one another. We can't choose the choices. I couldn't choose for my boyfriend to decide that he wasn't good enough sure. <laughs> to be in my life. <laughs> Whatever you it was. I couldn't choose for I John to get choose. diagnosed with cancer. I couldn't choose for John to get ca- cancer. I couldn't choose for my son to get in a, a motorcycle accident. Right. There's a lot of things in my life that I've not chosen. But I have chosen to love other people. And in that loving of others, I have experienced sadness and loss. But I do not regret the opportunity to love the people. And to grow through that love. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, we need to grow in all of those areas. We need to grow our positive relationships. We need to be really aware of the relationships in our life. Do they add value? Do they spark joy? Mm-hmm. Like Marie Kondo right. sparking joy or for is the it thing in our house? What are about we the people in yeah, our lives? Are, do we have at least two or three people? Five is a big ask, honestly. If you have one or two people in your Where's life your that SOS you friend? really have your SOS friend, you need to cultivate that relationship. Mm-hmm. If they spark joy in your heart and your life and they add value and bring energy to you, do you also do that for them? I was going to say, and I think the most positive relationships and the most helpful, particularly in those darker moments, are the ones that are reciprocal. Right. And I've said Absolutely. this before. I've got, I've got a texting group with some widow friends. I've got my little sister who's now my best friend. And I know I can turn to them when I'm completely broken because I know there won't be the judgment as if they are in a perfect place and I'm the one that's mm-hmm. falling apart. Because I know when they're falling apart, they'll reach back to me. And right. that reciprocity... I think it's a it's a mutual self awareness. Absolutely, it's a and that's what can contribute to those positive yeah. relationships. So we need to take inventory. We every, do every once in a while. We need to get really aware of who are we surrounding ourselves with. Right? Are we reciprocal in that relationship? And where in this, you know, if you, if you're the center of your life, and you have that one partner, let's say you're married, you have a partner in that next circle around you closest relationship and then you have your closest family and some family members will be outside of that circle some friends might be closer and friends might be closer right because they're the friends 
they're the family you choose. So who's in that next layer? Who who are the three to five? And then who are the next 15? Mm-hmm. And build out a, a diagram. Write it down. Start seeing how much time am I giving to these people? And do they warrant it? And if they do, am I giving back? Sure. And and I think that that's how we build a more conscious life for yeah. ourselves. And I think that it's it's important to do because if you want to build resiliency, you want to be very aware and vigilant of the energy and time that you are spending with others. And it, that goes to the pillar of purpose. Not only finding or looking for purpose, but doing things with a purpose, that yeah. intentionality. Okay, so these five pillars are... Again, independent but intertwined, self-awareness, self-care, positive relationships, mindfulness, and purpose. Michelle, let's take one more break and then come back and dive a little deeper into purpose and then talk about how that connects to this show and our great podcast, Relentlessly Resilient. We'll be right back. Okay, purpose, Michelle. Let's talk a little more about purpose among these five pillars, purpose as it relates to the other four pillars and the role purpose plays in overall resilience. Yeah, purpose. So just like I was talking before break, we it's important to get really intentional about the people that are in our lives and the role they play in our life and where they play those roles in our life. But it's also really important that we get really intentional about our purpose. Sure. How we use our time, where we spend our energy, what we focus on. Right. And that could be a million things. You brought up PTA. (laughs) Um, I've been involved heavily in the past in politics. Sure. I know a lot of people are like, well, we hope that you stay busy in politics. And I really honestly, I don't, I feel like that has, I've served um, my time <laughs> <laughs> and we're done and jail sentence. <laughs> well, and I love and, how, and I've been open to, to, to putting myself out there, right? Like I don't regret running. I, I feel like I did a really positive campaign. I agree I, 100%. Uh, and I, and you had a positive lasting impact. Yeah. And I feel good about all of that, but I've gotten really, uh, focused on who am I? Sure. And, and I can tell you today, I am a beautiful, powerful, inspiring, and empowering woman. I love you, Michelle. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt for you. <laughs> and I know what my core values are. I played this game. I, I bought this game. It's I should bring it to you. Um, it's a little card game. This would be great for you to do with your kids, like on a family home evening. What's it called? It's my core values. Oh, and you, you lay out it. Yeah. nothing but they're nothing but cards of values. Okay. And you go through and you p- pick out the ones that speak to you, like the 20 that speak to you. And then you just keep defining Narrowing and connecting. And it's kind of like that checking in with your heart. I love like that. Like what speaks to you until you get down to two or three, three or four. Okay. Okay. And my core values are connection, vision, and creativity. And look, this oh, podcast All three is, I did this a couple years ago. This podcast is part of that, right? right. And it fits. And because it, it fits, fits you, my, make, you make time for it. It's that's fulfilling right. and demanding, but both are, are adding value to your life. It adds values to my life and it serves a purpose for me. Yeah, I want to be able to serve others and sometimes I don't know how to do that in maybe a big way. Sure. I'm not actively involved in the church. That's an easy way to serve others, right? Because there's always an opportunity to drop dinner somewhere. I look for opportunities for things outside of this podcast. But these people that uh, many of them that I brought onto the show were people that inspired me in specific ways. It's that connection. That connection. And I wanted to be able to have a format to share with others and have new people come into my okay, life. Tell me your third. It was Connect connection, vision, ones. and connection, vision, and creativity. Creativity. I love those three. Now, my purpose is still in development, but 
I it's something like I inspire others to recognize their divine potential. Oh, I love that. Assist in healing from past hurts and live their best life. I'm still working on it. So this it. is beautiful. So is this still back from that set of cards that helps you get to no, kind of this vision I've been working, mission statement or this is just a personal yeah, structure? I've been, I've been working with a, with my own life coach sure. and figuring out what are my next steps yeah. from John, right? And being involved in this podcast and having resiliency being be a part of it and reading more and more and more and learning more and more and more about resiliency, I'm like, who am I? What is my self-awareness, right? Right. Who am I? Well, I know that I'm this beautiful, powerful, inspiring, empowering woman. I know that about myself. And I have these core values that feed my soul, connection, vision, creativity. It's part of why I'm back to learning piano again, right? Absolutely. Feeding my creativity. And then it's really developing. I'm really in a process right now of developing my intention and purpose and figuring out what the next steps for this new chapter of life that is unfolding in front of me. And I love that you can say that word purpose, intentionality, to do something with a a set goal or a vision. I love the word vision. And that's what we're all kind of looking for, I think, in life, whether we're intentional about it or not. Somewhere Mm -hmm. we're searching for that sense of purpose. And the more powerfully we align with our personal purpose, I think the more fulfilling life is for us. Mm -hmm. Again, it's that enlightened self-interest that as I tap into who I am, I'll actually be not only more fulfilled myself, but I'll be a better contributor to the world around Mm -hmm. me because I've tapped into that core self of mine. And now it's, and again, I think that's what this, this purpose of life you keep referring to. I think when we really tap into who we are and what our sense of purpose is, we find that our life is not only more fulfilling personally, but it's of more value to the people around us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Eleanor Roosevelt meant. I think that's what Viktor Frankl was talking about. I think that's what so many of our guests have shared. They have found purpose in their pain. They have found learning in their anguish. And as they've helped other people, they've actually helped themselves. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful to do that in a balance to where we're mm-hmm. not only helping other people to our own detriment. Mm-hmm. I want to say a quick thing about purpose. I know we talk about religion or faith-based mm-hmm. groups quite a bit here. And I think a faith-based or a religious involvement can be a beautiful purpose. Absolutely. And I think it really comes down to that intentionality. Mm-hmm. Is is your religion or your faith base, is it just one more thing you feel weighed down by? Is it just one more outside of expectations? Or is it something you've really internalized? I can find great purpose in my personal faith mm-hmm. that helps me find purpose in my mortal life, that helps me find purpose in my pain. It kind of snowballs. Yeah. But it's really real and personal to me. It's not just a checklist right. someone else has given me. It doesn't come down from the pastor or the neighbor or my grandparents. Right. I've learned it from my culture and my upbringing. But I'm I'm happy to say I'm a woman of faith. I'm a Christian woman mm-hmm. of faith to where that Christianity is one of those core values that gives me life and energy and mm-hmm. hope. It doesn't weigh me down as just one more thing I'm expected to do. So I would encourage people that are looking Absolutely. for purpose, whether it's in politics or mm-hmm. PTA or church or a business, wherever you are, be honest with yourself as to where you are. Peel yeah. back the layers of Absolutely. just culture and, and get know, deep down. It is really interesting because like, I I was active uh, LDS for 20s plus years, 25, 26 plus years. And when I stepped away to to take, I had a little bit of a faith shaking experience and, um, and, and I just had to table it. And then John got sick. For me, my process has been, uh, I discovered God in such a big way that it, that relationship and that experience that I had became larger than the need for a religion. And I have a relationship that is is so profound and so deeply personal to me. It just negated my need. And I wasn't finding pleasure in the process at church. I was finding it to be a drain, for mm, it to be a, a weight of um, perfectionism, for me to have... a. a it, it wasn't the experience of getting closer to God or Christ. So I, I'm not going to define myself as any particular religion. 
or or non-religion, I'm going to say I have my own profound uh, relationship with God, and that drives me. And it's an important relationship right. that I foster. And it's, it's and among I those care. core values. Yeah. It's in my core values. And so I'm not separate from God. In fact, I believe I am God. And so, um, and I believe the same of you. And I think that we all get an opportunity wherever we find that purpose in our spirituality. Right. We should all do that. And for you, if that's serving in the church, you should serve well, in the I, church. And, and if I your think... faith is so great in there, that builds you. Then that is your purpose. It doesn't mean that what I've discovered for me makes yours untrue. Right. And it doesn't mean we can't respect each other's right. journey. And I think that's true with, with faith, with education, with profession, with politics. Mm-hmm. These these five pillars, you know, this, this self-awareness and these different things that we're all working on because we just want to be able to withstand what life throws at us. We want to thrive, not just survive. And I think one of the things maybe we can close on in this segment here is how individual it is. Yes. What works for you might not work for me. And I think that's where we want to go with this next few minutes is this podcast has been a melting pot of all kinds of experience. We, you Mm -hmm. and I are both widows, but even our widowhood is unique from Mm -hmm. each other. And it's different from other widows. We know we've interviewed people who've been divorced or, or catastrophically injured or who've suffered other kinds of loss and disappointment and devastation but always learning and growing and finding some purpose in such an individual way that I can learn from your experience, even though I might apply it differently in Mm -hmm. mine. And now as we move forward, this is episode 100, you guys, 100 beautiful stories. These next 100, we want to dive even deeper, not just into the details of the story, though those are very important Mm -hmm. and there's something cathartic and healing about finding words for what you've been through. We really want to dive even deeper into answering this question. So what do you know now? What is that resilience piece? Instead of just the last few minutes asking, hey, what does resilience mean to you? Let's spend more time on what did these five pillars, what are these tools? Mm -hmm. What is mindfulness to you? It might look different for me. You can sit at the piano and find kind of that connection and creativity. For me, it's I'm going to have a journal and either my laptop or a pen and paper and Mm -hmm. the words help me identify and we can have that uniqueness and yet sameness mm-hmm. because we live the details of our own story, but we're all just living that human story, right? It's yep. all the same exact story. Once upon a time, we wanted to live happily ever after. <laughs> Everything in the middle gets a little personal. And I think that's what we're excited about for this next set of 100 episodes or however many Yeah, to look I, and at I think, that depth. I, and I, I'm not sure I know how to do this yet, but one of my things that I've been very aware of recently is that we only can perceive information from our where we're at. And so people can only comprehend or pick up or learn from this podcast from where they are. Mm. And I hope that somehow we can um, lay foundations that help build understanding and compassion and uh, make room for everyone. And there's make so room much for division to grow. Yeah, right. There's so much division and disconnection, and I want to just really work on on building more connection. And the only way to connect is if we can not just communicate with words, but to learn how to comprehend what the other person is saying or or the things that we've heard. So your self-awareness and your mindfulness has to play into the relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a personal relationship, still being aware of other people, being sensitive to the fact that your experience might be totally different mm-hmm. from mine. And we talk about this all the time as moms. We're raising kids in the same house with the mm-hmm. same set of life circumstances who are very different. Yeah, and, and who react perceive and perceive it very differently. differently. So imagine yeah. billions of us on this planet. I love this. I love that it can be so unique and so universal at the same time. I think one of the greatest concepts my mind has reflected on a lot lately is the concept of and. And I think before I was oh. a very or person. Yes. I was this or I was that. I was heartbroken or I was healthy. I was faithful or I was devastated. Guess what? I'm both. Yeah. And I can raise my children who are also unique and I can help each of them. 
I can live through horrible, awful experiences and become a better, more compassionate person. That's an entire section and, on the and, book I'm writing. And, oh, <laughs> you guys, she's writing a book and it's going to be the bestseller of all time. And we're all going know, to want but... a signed copy. No, I don't for know. Sure. But I, I've decided, yeah, you know, I've been afraid of writing this book. I, I've been told I should write a book in my life way before John ever got sure. cancer. Oh, you could write 10 books on your lives because you've lived about 50 of them. <laughs> I know. Every time right? I talk to you, you have like this other I past I didn't know about. You're like, you were held at gunpoint. Uh, yeah. You were a doula. You've got a psychic. You've got your yoga life. You've got your political life. What else am I missing I'm here, here to live and enjoy an experience. And you're what doing can I tell you? job. So, yeah, I'm I'm finally writing a book on the on the process of losing John and the lessons that I've learned. And uh, because this podcast will never hit on all of it. And a lot of a lot of this podcast is triggered like, oh, yeah, that too, that too. But we've talked about this all the time. Mindfulness of other personal experiences you have had. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) um, I think it's funny because you and I often will say and. And it tickles me every time I hear you say it because I'm we like... We don't use the word but. Yeah. I, yeah. We, I don't even like the word or anymore. Yeah. I, yeah. It's not but. It's not or. It's and. And. I experience complete loss at the moment of John's death and complete and utter joy that I cannot express. It was both. And I've heard you tell that story several times, and I have a visual in my mind of how beautiful that moment would have been. The devastation, the heartache, and literal celebration. Like, that's one of the most sacred images in my mind that that I connect with you. And I feel like that's how you live every day of life. You live every day of life devastated and in despair (laughs) and celebrating. And you embrace that. And how much can we learn from that? I look forward to talking to people, hearing their stories Letting them share, yes, share what happened, but dig a little deeper and tell me what you learned. And don't just say, I learned to ask for help. Give me examples. Don't just say, I learned to be mindful. Tell me what that looked like. It's like when my husband asked me, what are your coping mechanisms? I had no idea how to answer that question. It's like I needed someone to hold my hand and say, Jenny, going to get a fizz could be a coping mechanism. Something that simple playing a song on the radio, sitting down, taking a hot bath, calling a friend, screaming at the top of my lungs, going for a run. We we sometimes overcomplicate things because we want the magic solution to fix everything mm-hmm. rather than focusing on those little bitty things that can help us yeah. face day by day by day. So let's we have deep. Yes, absolutely. We have some listeners who have written us Great details of stories, multiple traumas in their life. And uh, I've been in conversation with them and I keep asking, what would you like to share? It's 45 minute format. It's 15, 15, 15. Okay. It's your story, a little bit more of your story and closing of that story. And then that resiliency piece, right? That's where we end. Yeah. And we want to just be really intentional with the show going forward. It's okay. You might have to come back and do another show. You might get another opportunity. Um, we have time and the ability to do those things. But when you approach us with a story, it's best to approach us with the the one story. We all have several. Sure. We all have several. Pick one. Give us one. The li- the learned lesson and where resiliency fits in because really the purpose and value of the show is teaching others to learn and grow and how to be resilient. And so we want to focus on whatever that tool is. Yeah. Now there's a ton of tools of resiliency sure, sure. inside these five pillars. You could break We're them not down. Saying you could overlap focus them. on these. Sure. There's a lot of resources on the internet we books want and books to tell and books have been written. Yeah, we want to tell your stories. We mm-hmm. want to support you because we know every person listening to this story, and, and we're steadily growing a, a good um, audience. Audience yeah. here. Uh, we know everybody has a story to tell, and we want to be able to give you a platform yeah. and an opportunity to share 
At least to reflect one, on that. right? Yeah. At least one. So um, please reach out to us. Yeah. Let us hear from you. Give Let us, us learn with you. Let yeah. us and, and ask yourself, what, what have I learned? I know one of the real reflective moments of my life, I think I've mentioned this before too. So my father died when I was a kid. He died in the month of September. The September of the year my husband ended up dying, that of course I didn't know my husband would die. But that same September before November, I was really reflective. And it was the first time in my adult life that I really came to the conclusion of what an amazing blessing, instrument, tool, purpose, whatever you want to call it, my father's death had become over the 30 years of my life. And I'll admit it stopped me in my tracks because it was hard for me to verbalize I'm so grateful my dad died as a kid. You don't say that. Right. But I found myself really with a gut check walking through who I am, right. how I feel, how I view things, what I've learned, what I've been through. And of course, and you're I not realized, grateful that he died, but no, because he did die. Look at what's come of it. Look right. at who I am. And that's where I got to the conclusion that I am who I am because of what I've been through. Now, that is basic and we could all say that. But that's what we want people to share. Mm -hmm. Take a moment and think about who you are. How do you treat other people? How do you face the day? What have you been through in your life that has given you the opportunity or the capacity to be who you are today? Teach us. Grow with us. Let us grow with you. Please be willing to have that self-awareness and reflect on your own story and then take that leap of faith to share it with the rest of us so we can all grow. Yeah, absolutely. Having opportunities to be vulnerable um, can be scary and you definitely, it's okay to not share the things that you aren't comfortable sharing. Not everybody deserves to hear them. And we don't have time for every single detail anyway. An overview is wonderful. Right. Whatever you're comfortable with. And not everyone's story is shareable, right? Not every, and not everybody deserves to hear somebody else's story. So there is that to it too, but we would love to hear from you. So if you have a story that you would like to share with us and our listeners, feel free to subscribe to our our podcast and give us a rating or review. And if that's an option on your platform, and if you do have that story and you want to share it with us, reach out to us, send us an email at rrpodcast at ksl.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Relentlessly Resilient and on Instagram at Relentlessly Resilient Podcast. DM us, reach out to us. We, we would love connect. to connect with you. Yeah. Okay. And, and. it's embarrassing. <laughs> and it's embarrassing to admit that for a hundred of episodes, 100 episodes, you and I have pretended we pull this off by ourselves. Yeah. And we don't. And we don't at all because all we do is show up and talk and then we go home and there's a beautiful episode that ends up edited and illustrated and on Instagram and social media and yeah. podcast. And you I would know like to say, secret I would that? like to say it started out with Josh Tilton. But amazing producer here at KSL. Amazing producer yes. at KSL. But next level. Next level. And and we, we took it to the next level. Yeah. And and who brought us, in my yes. opinion, to, to the, the next level. She is the next level. She is the next level. Is Kelly Ann. Kelly Ann Halverson. Yes. Producer here at KSL. And she is amazing. She's bright. I would say she's, she's magic. She's articulate. She has she- three screens and a massive soundboard and several microphones and buttons. And anybody that knows me and Michelle know that really all we do is talk. And she has to somehow take a bunch of rambling and turn it into an episode every single to, week. Like, she also a has lot. to send us smoke signals yeah. and arm Stop, signals and sign language and but all she kinds does, of things. But she, she does, does a great job. She does more than that, too. She helps make sure we stay true to the goal we have of this she does. podcast. Finding meaning, finding meaningful dates to produce maybe a Memorial Day episode or mm-hmm. something around Suicide Awareness Month or yeah. or a, a June for Pride Month and, and making sure we're really connecting with each other and connecting with our audience. You guys, we couldn't do it without Kellyanne. We could not do it without her. And we're grateful to KSL Studios for letting us use their studio space each week. Absolutely. And to and the person. The list keeps going. Yeah. And to the person who really had faith and a belief and an interest in the show in the first place. Our executive producer, Cheryl Worsley, who took a chance on us, thanks to our friend Lee yes. Lonsberry, another KSL yeah. voice many people remember and, and recognize from his time here. When you had a crazy idea 
about having a podcast that was a wonderful idea, and we're grateful KSL believed in that idea, and Lee and Cheryl and Kellyanne have all made yes. it happen. I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I'm excited to see where this goes, and eventually, hopefully, it, it you know our listenership grows and grows and grows. So and we just were waiting for your book. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> all right, 100 episodes, everyone. Stay with us for the next 100. We've said this a hundred times and we'll say it a hundred more. Remember, whatever you do today, remember to be kind. You have no idea the struggles other people are dealing with in their lives. Have a good day, everyone. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought... There are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.